We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Nick, I've started watching Succession. I'm into about like season two right now. And there is drama aplenty in that show. But it is nothing on Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, this entire summer has been drama for the Nets. We haven't really got to talk about basketball all summer. It's really been Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, all different types of stuff. We're going to jump into that in plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do we start today? Kevin Durant to retire on first take with Nick Fay and Jack Manuel. Look, we got a, a response from Kevin Durant on this, Nick. So I think that that's worth talking about to, to kick off the pod. So Mark Stein, who's done a lot of reporting on the Nets this offseason, and you know, some of it pretty credible. He said in, in his newsletter this, excuse me, during summer league in Las Vegas, one of the most well-connected team executives I speak to regularly insisted to me that – Based on what he was hearing, Kevin Durant was more apt to retire than play again for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, more than a month later, attaching the R word to Durant still comes across as a serious hyperbole, but it's certainly getting easier to envision him refusing to report to training camp when the Nets get back together for media day on September 26. We got Kevin Durant who responded himself, Nick, before I get your thoughts. He came out on Twitter and said, I know most poli- people will believe unnamed sources over me, but if any, if it's anyone out there that'll listen, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Shit is comical at this point. So, I mean, it, it, we're getting everything, Nick. We're getting Andrew Bogut saying that Kevin Durant should tweet free Hong Kong. This is, this is insanity. Yeah, it really is. And obviously, I think the Mark Stein report was more so to signal that you know, KD's willing to push this to the next level of ugly, you know, get even more toxic rather than him actually retiring. I think it's more so he's willing to hold out or he just has a lot of disdain for the Nets right now and he does not want to suit up in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Based off of that report, then obviously he, him coming out and saying he's not going to retire, I don't think many people thought he was going to retire, but I think it's just kind of a whole whole situation. But again, the Stein report is more so to signify that he's willing to do whatever it takes to kind of get traded. No, and look, that's within his rights. He's got James Harden as his best buddy these days, which <laughs> we can discuss a little bit here and there. But to provide even further confusion and whatever you other word, synonym, adjective you want to describe to it, that tweet that I just alluded to, Joe Sy Nets owner liked, 
What is going on, Nick? Yeah, that's interesting. I think Josiah, I don't know if he's trolling or what he's doing. Obviously, we've heard of him liking a couple different uh, tweets out there related to KD and Kyrie over this whole saga. So, I mean, make of it what you will, Jack. I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I, I don't. I really don't. I am so goddamn confused. I am. I'm Jim from the office. That gif, which is what is going on? What is going on? Like I just. I. It's just so confusing in in so many different ways. But we got about plenty more tidbits from you know Mark Stein in in relation to some Nets reporting, Nick. And and one of those things is that Kevin Durant feels justified in his trade request because the organization altered its relationship with its star players. We saw that approach immediately as the offseason hit, and we saw Sean Marks hit the, the the press tour, hit some press conferences, sort of altering the, their sort of philosophy on how they want to run the franchise. Do you think that gives Kevin Durant some level of justification for this trade request, Nick? Um, I don't know if justification is the word that I would agree with here, but I could understand the frustration. And also, we've kind of discussed in the past is like, where you go from being super player friendly and player centric and listening to your stars and then trying to flip the switch, you know, a complete flip. I think you're destined to run into issues. And I think this was always a plausible scenario. If you did that, you know, if it was a gradual change, it'd be less likely, but going zero to a hundred in terms of the switch and being like, no, the organization is in control. Sean Marks is in control. Joe size in control. It's what they want, not what you want. You're just here to kind of play basketball. And I think, you know, that idea alone is likely to piss some people off. And Obviously, other events that happen over, you know, the the beginning of the offseason to now have definitely not made Kevin Durant happy. So I don't think I don't want to say he's justified, but I think there's some level of understanding for the frustration and the anger towards the Nets for their switch up. Yeah, I think that he can be justified, but his actions, you know, necessarily in terms of, you know, all of these, you know, trade things and hanging out with James Harden and saying he's obviously he's not saying he's going to retire, but the the way he's escalated certain things, you can have your issues with that. And I've had more and more as we've gone on, um, as the days have dragged on and, and Kevin Durant has tended to fuel fire into the situation. And look, I agree with what you're saying. The Nets have essentially gone from zero to 100. have done a complete 180 in how they're handling the franchise. And if I was Kevin Durant and I'm in my job and like suddenly there is a complete diversion in priorities and, and culture standards, it's just like, Wait, what is going on? This isn't like I signed a contract to be here because of this is how I thought it would be. So I understand the level of frustrations there. I don't I don't necessarily think it's justified with how he's acted and or hasn't acted or hasn't responded or hasn't said anything or all these sort of things throughout the offseason. I think that there is blame on his part, but apparently as well, Nick, then a part of the reason why Durant and Kyrie both chose Brooklyn is because they quote, and this is from Mark Stein, they perceived Brooklyn as much as anything to be willing to bend to their will far more than James Dolan owned, a James Dolan owned New York would. That is no longer happening, hence the chaos. Look, chaos is a good word, uh, no doubt, but that seems to me to be, I could see something in that. But Kevin Durant has also said when he's spoken about why he came to Brooklyn, it's because it's like, you know, the Knicks aren't cool anymore. He wants to chill. He wants to hoop. He wants to sort of go under the limelight a little bit. I believe that a little bit more. And I also, I do think that, you know, Joe Sy as a, a I guess, a, an amateur owner, given his experience with the NBA and you know, his experience with the basketball world, 
I feel like Kevin Rand and Kyrie Irving could have been like, well, this guy's a little bit more malleable. He could bend to our will a little bit more. And he did, and as did Sean Marks early on, compared to James Dolan, who is stubborn at the best of times and you know, with the way he handles the media as well as his players and organizations. So that, to me, has some level of credence to it, but I also don't think it's the be-all and end-all. Yeah, I think it's more so from the perspective of the Nets were super player-friendly and prioritize their players and making them happy. That was kind of the whole theme when Sean Marks took over. And obviously a lot of the stuff in New York with the Knicks, the way they treated Mello, the way they treated Charles Oakley, you know, all those different things kind of created more issue over there and made them less attractive to star players. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's as much as the Nets would bend to their will, but more so the Nets would cater to their needs and have a, a higher level of understanding than what the Knicks had. And obviously that level of understanding still wasn't enough. No, it wasn't. We are where we are because of that. But apparently from the Nets side, Nick, according to Brian Windhorst, that there is no urgency in Kevin Durant trade talks from Nets amid 76ers rumors. Obviously, I've heard little bits about the Sixers here and there. So I... I think this is just, again, Joe Sy and Sean Marks using ESPN as puppets in their reporting because we got bugger all. I'm not going to say you know an explicit word. They are just using an Australian explicit word. When Kevin Durant and Joe Sy had their meeting, we got nothing. We got shams. We got you know a little bit of Mark Stein here and there. We got a little bit of Christian Winfield here and there. We got nothing from Woj and ESPN. Why? Because of the ties Woj has to Sean Marks as a source. And the level of, I guess, journalistic integrity that you can sort of take with ESPN and their reporting on this sort of furor and this saga and this chaos, it leaves a little bit to be desired. That's how I feel. Yeah, I think the only thing we ended up getting is Ramona Shelburne saying, you know, the Nets said it's part of the process. That's which... bullshit. And that is absolute utter bullshit. Part of the process, Nick. We aren't in the 76ers and doing a five-year rebuild, getting Joel Embiid, Nerlens, Noel, Dario Saric, and Nick Stauskas. We are trying to win a championship, and we are trying to build a team and make a trade within the next season. Like, this is urgency. There needs to be a level of urgency, despite the fact that Joe Sy and Sean Marks have none. Yes, that's public leveraging, but as fans, there is frustration aplenty on both sides. There is, I've seen people comparing the Nets to like um, the Republican and Democratic parties. Like this is, this isn't fun anymore for a lot of people. I have fun chatting about it with you, but the consumption and, and, and just absolute drivel that comes out from certain reporters here and there, it's just like, really are we getting that? And I mean, you can make the argument against Shams because Shams is just doing things for Kevin Durant and and clutching their sources, sure, that's fine. But, man, I think that all of this media BS is just like, let's get something done. Like, we all know, I think at this point, as much as I would love, and my percentages at like 5 to 9% in, in previous episodes are down to 1 or 0.33, then I, I just think that we're getting to the point where surely this has to have some sort of resolution sometime soon. And we're not going to be talking months and months about Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. And we can actually chat about some hoops, Nick, which you know I kind of miss. It's sort of like the Kyrie Irving stuff. And then there was the James Harden stuff. Yeah, the Brooklyn Buzz is a fun platform for us to, to vent, to get a bit emotional and stuff. But we also like talking hoops. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the best part. You know, we didn't even get to discuss really anything basketball related like we touched on when we started the show. It's been a lot of drama-filled stuff and... Sadly, I think it could go on for months, especially because of both sides being stubborn and KD essentially, you know, leaking things to try to lower his trade value or make the trade happen faster. And the offers aren't changing. If anything, they could potentially be getting worse. So for the Nets, it's just like they can't afford to trade Kevin Durant and not get a great package or get at least some big building block. So it's really just like it's a battle right now and both sides aren't backing down and they're hurting each other with each step they make. You know what I mean? Like Katie obviously wants to be on another team, but Katie's also making it harder to trade him at the value in which Nets want to trade him at. Yeah. It's a stalemate. It's a staring yeah. contest. It's Diddy and that dude from whatever singing contest yeah. you know, where they're just staring at each other. And I don't know which one Diddy represents, whether it's Joe Sy or whether that contestant represents Joe Sy and Kevin Durant is, is Diddy. But look, there is just, there is like higher levels of frustration. I'll ask you, Nick, where do yours, where do your higher frustration levels lie? Does it with Joe size, Sean Marks and the Nets franchise overall, or is it more with Kevin Durant and the way that he has handled this situation? You know, I think, you know, in the short term, like within the last week or two, it's probably been more so with KD, but it, the, the entire picture, you're still upset with Joe Sy and Sean Marks because this all kind of came together with the transition they made at the end of the offseason. And like we talked about how they handled the Kyrie situation, other moves they made, firing Adam Harrington, not kind of answering some other KD's requests, not letting go of Steve Dash, and then also some of the reporting. And we've talked about this a lot, you know, their willingness to lose Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or wanting a team that Joe Sy would be proud of and all those things. I think that was a dangerous game and that led us to this point. So overall, I think the bigger blame is going to 
Sean Marks and Joe Sy because they allowed it to get to this point. But in the current realm of the last week or so, you know, obviously KD releasing some toxic stuff, lowering his value and kind of essentially trying to screw the Nets to make sure they get a lesser trade package so he gets traded sooner. Yeah, it's a chicken and egg situation. Yeah. You know, where did it sort of start? And I think that you're right in you know, Kevin Rand, obviously, and, and the way that last season was, obviously, was toxic and, and plenty of people to blame. But of most recent standings, I would say that, you know, I agree. Kevin, I think Joe Sy and Sean Marks and their handling of it and the way that they've sort of been talking about the franchise and how they want to take ownership back, all that sort of stuff is just like, do they not understand it, like that running a franchise means appeasing to your superstars? You know, even though Dan Gilbert had the three guy, like it's different if it was a top 15 or 20 guy. Yeah. You're not doing it for Donovan Mitchell. Like you're not doing it for, 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 for for De'Aaron Fox. You're doing it for Kevin Durant. And like, I feel like the level of big, big headedness and stubbornness is just like, can we just deal with this for four years? And then you get the franchise back and you can have it in the direction, however you want. Like, that's how I feel. And obviously I'm, Peeved at Kevin Durant with the way he's handled this and the little reports and trickles here, his frustration level, some somehow hanging out with, and being buddy buddy with James Harden all over again. It's all just like, what is your goal here? Like, yeah, I get your goal is to get out, but like uh, you're just flaming everything and every sort of bridge along the way. But I'm still just so incredibly peeved because of the what could have been. What could have happened if Josiah hadn't have sent the Sean Marks? This is the message I want to send to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in this press conference. What would it have been if it had been said, like, all right, look, I get last season was a goddamn shit show, but we can, there are plenty of extenuating circumstances that affected that. We give Kyrie Irving a couple of year deal here, or we tie it up with Kevin Durant, and we're probably not in this situation. So I put probably more blame on Josiah overall than anyone. And I still have strong feelings about how he is running the team. And I said on a previous pod that I wanted to sell the team. I had a little bit, little bit of support from people here and there about that. If he continues to run this team the way that he has for the past three, four years, however long he's had the team, I don't want him to own the team, Nick. And there's a part of me that's just like, get rid of it. And I just, I want him to stay in Brooklyn. I want him. I have a lot of feelings about you know the the legacy with with New Jersey as well as that you have ties to, but. The way Joe Sy has treated the Brooklyn Nets franchise and in turn their fans, it's it's not disgusting, but it is it's it's somewhere around that mark. Yeah, it's obviously it's not the fans are definitely not being prioritized, obviously. You know what I mean? And then like you like said, how Jack, can you how can you expect, you know, the fans to be like, okay, this is perfect. I'm gonna buy all the Ben Simmons jerseys in the world. I'm gonna we've got like ticket guys who, you know, it's not their their issue, but people on Twitter are coming out and saying and sending screenshots like, hey, have you re-signed up for your membership for season tickets for the Brooklyn Nets next year? Things are gonna be great. It's just like oh, they they're treating us like fools, Nick. Like it's yeah. literally like I get why people made the the political comparison because politicians treat constituents and people like they're idiots. Whereas we're being treated the exact same way. The Ramona Shelburne report, it's all part of the process. It's goddamn bullshit. We're smarter than that, Nick. And it's not like I'm not smarter than that. Like you're smarter than that. And plenty of other people are smarter than that. I mean, and plenty of other fans and listeners of this show and any other Brooklyn Nets show are smarter than that. It's just like treat us with a semblance of respect and dignity. It feels like we're not getting that. 
Yeah, obviously, I think the, you know, the group that's hurt the most in this is the fans. You know, obviously, there's so much confusion about what they're trying to do moving forward. And obviously, you know, KD, Joe Sy, Sean Marks, it's all kind of about their ego and what they want instead of just kind of to figure things out. Like we've talked about it. It's great that Joe Sy and KD have a meet, had a meeting. But ideally, if anything were to happen, it would be Joe Sy, KD, Kyrie, Sean Marks, Ben Simmons potentially Steve Nash, unless you make the decision to let him go, because nothing's going to happen unless these guys figure things out. And it just is Uh, getting more toxic and toxic. And then it's just becoming less likely each party gets what they want. Yeah, I wonder how many Britney Spears toxic remixes there are out there. I'm going to have to do a bit of a Spotify deep dive and see who else has jumped on some of them. Maybe there's like a G-Easy version that's probably, <laughs> would be that'd be even worse than, look, the, the original is an absolute banger, but not a fan of G-Easy. Um, in, in saying that, Nick, I, I'm totally with you. It's just like, oh, there's so much big-headedness and, and, and hubris from so many people involved here, Kevin Durant, Joe Sy, and everyone else involved, where it's just like, we see this, the rationality in some sort of resolution, but none of them are seeing are, are, are acting in that fashion. The amount of rational behavior that has happened this offseason. Look, the way that Kim and Rand was sort of just like, I'll just put this out there and just like go out and hiding and go out and party in Saint-Tropez and, and Europe was fine because that's the fits the Kim and Rand vibe. But now we're getting these little mini leagues here. It's just like, he doesn't really care. He's going to retire. The reason why we probably would have got the retirement thing is because... The, we're not getting anything from him himself other than the fact that, look, I'm not going to retire. And cool, I don't want Kevin Durant to retire, even if he is in a Brooklyn net. I love him as a player, and he's one of the, I even know I've got flames, 10 to 15 best players to ever, uh, ever play. So I want him to continue hooping, and I would love that to be in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. But because of how how this has been mismanaged by so many parties involved, it just the, the losers are the fans, as you alluded to, Nick. Yeah, I mean, right now it doesn't seem likely that these guys are going to enter training camp together. You know, it seems like that's something that's far, far away, given the reports that we've had and the uncomfortable behaviors between everybody and how those relationships are currently sitting. And again, that gives other teams leverage. And that's why this situation seems like it's going to drag out. Obviously, you know, talking on Twitter with different people, it seems like there could be potential for the league to maybe get involved down the line, given the Nets are one of their bigger markets, and obviously Kevin Durant is one of their biggest stars in the league. Like, this is not something they want. They don't want to see Kevin Durant not play basketball for the first couple months of the season. No, and I don't think he wants that either. Uh, I, I just think that, I don't know, the, the resolution seems that is likely to be the case. And I think that he don't, he's not going to, it's it's going to be, will this be resolved by October 18, 20, whenever the, I know that they've been releasing a lot of the, Or even just the, like media day and training camp, like there's going to be, it's going to create more attention if he's there or he's not there. See, that's the thing, Nick. That's why I think, like, I'm the goal is I, I don't think that either of them care until the first game of the season because they've already handled this absolute utter chaos with complete disdain, both parties. So I don't think they're really going to care if it means, like, a couple extra questions because we got the chaos of Kyrie Irving not showing up and the um, all of that in last year's media day. So it's just, like, 2.0, but this time Kevin Durant is in, in place of Kyrie Irving. And... And suddenly Kyrie Irving is the golden child. And and I, it's just, this this organization has been insane. And, and covering it as podcasters has been legitimately insane. I've loved every minute of it, um, some more than others, uh, because I've been able to do the journey with you. But 
I guess the Sixers stuff, Nick, I wanted to sort of bring up because uh, Dave Early, who I think is uh, an SB Nation writer of Liberty Ballers, he's got some. So and he had he provided an objective take about the the, the new Sixers sort of stuff and and them getting into the fold. A lot of people are like, "Why am I going to trade Tyrese Max?" It's just like, "Oh my god!" Like <laughs> fan fans in irrationality. There is a reason why fandom fanatic those words are related because you know fanaticism leads to irrationality. But he said that he believes that. Brooklyn and KD are using the Sixers as leverage to get a bigger package like Boston throwing in a market smarter, Rob Williams or whatever. Um, do you see that as probably being the more likely you know, repercussions of Philadelphia getting into the Kevin Durant sweepstakes now? Yeah, I think that's more likely. I think there's maybe some credibility behind it. If like the offers are really terrible and they're trying to get KD off, you know, Daryl Morey's definitely going to make a call and throw an offer together. But also, I think Philadelphia is pretty limited on their picks. If like they might be at a point where they can't even trade picks, they might be able to only trade swaps. Obviously, the Nets have one of those picks uh, down the line as well, and I think it's protected with potentially going to another spot if it lands somewhere else. So. I don't think Philly's a likely destination. They definitely could be used for leverage. And I also think Philly doesn't mind if it's making Boston a weaker team where they're acquiring Kevin Durant and getting better, but they're not as deep because now they have to give up Marcus Smart instead of, you know, a package where it's just Derek White, Grant Williams, and Jalen Brown. Yeah, look, I, I want the packages to be better because I want Scotty Barnes. I want Marcus Smart. I want these ancillary pieces or big pieces. In, in, or I want a Brandon Ingram, you know, and New Orleans to get involved. But because of the fact that the Nets are like, oh, it's all part of the process, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's less and less likely that we're going to get that stuff because of the, some people might call it patience, some people might call it stubbornness, some people might call it egotistical BS. But I, I just think that it's, I don't know where it's going to land. It seems more likely that it's going to be Jalen Brown, Derek White, Grant Williams, and, and a couple of picks. But you know how many picks can Boston give? It's I, I'm I'm ultimately like a little bit over discussing the same thing over and over again, but sort of putting a new spin and shine on it. It's like getting a an an I don't have an analogy. I, I have Jack, an analogy. I have a question but I, for you: Do you do you feel more comfortable now as this dragged out and it's gotten more toxic to just take the lesser package and move forward with? you know, potentially Jalen Brown and maybe instead of three picks, you know, a a pick and two swaps or something like that. And then getting Grant Williams and Derek White, just so the Nets can move forward. Or do you want them to hold on the KD and still kind of sit on that best possible package? Look, obviously it's a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, but I think we discussed, we discussed so many different things about this Kevin Durant trade, you know, and the machinations around it. And one of the, I think the, the things we discussed was is the longer this goes on worse for Kevin Durant or the nets or both, or is there an, an argument for both? If Kevin Durant isn't traded before the start of the season, Kevin Durant is heading into his age 34 season and has a risk of injury because of his age and because of his injury history. You know, obviously he keeps his body in great shape. He's been working out with plenty of people, including Jason Tatum, so if the Nets don't make the trade, are they going to – is the Jalen Brown ta- um, trade going to be off the table? Is uh, – the Miami – Miami, obviously Tyler Hero, that, that's always going to be there. But is the Jalen Brown trade going to be off the table if this trade isn't done before opening night, before training camp, before media day? That's the ultimate question. I don't know. I think that Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, Derek White, and whatever semblance of picks is going to be there for a, for a, for a certain amount of time. It does it get to the point where Brad Simmons is like, look, if you guys don't make this trade with us, like we'll keep this team. We made the finals last year. You need this trade more than us. Look Especially at the Especially if they start happening. hot, like twenty and three or something like that. 
Exactly. And look at the, the chaos that's happening within your organization. You know, Kevin Durant is continuing to to throw gasoline onto the fire. So I think it's it's more on the nets to, to get something done here because the, the longer it drags on, I think it's not necessarily we've sort of said and we've had we've changed our opinions here and there and we're justified within that in our own right. I think the longer it goes on, the less likely the nets are to to look good and, and get the ultimate return. Is there something that changes that? Maybe, maybe there is. Maybe they're waiting for another team like New Orleans to finally get into it. I know Kevin O'Connor has reported that he expected them to to get into the sweepstakes. Because if you got New Orleans, you got one more team in there. Then it's like, so like okay, where that means now that Boston has to give you a Marcus Smart. They have to give you all the picks possible. They have to give you a Rob Williams. Whereas now. They're bidding against themselves. Toronto is bidding against themselves. You know, it wasn't Phoenix. It wasn't Miami. Those two teams are, especially Phoenix, out of it, or if not, very close to being out of it. So I I, I ultimately think, Nick, that the, the Nets are, they're going against the clock. You know, it, it, time is ticking. Yeah, I mean, there could always be the risk where one of these, in a positive way, where one of these teams have an injury, start really bad, or there's, you know, a toxic situation going over there and the Nets get the offer they want. But again, it's it's playing a dangerous game. And they played a dangerous game to start the offseason with the Kyrie stuff and those reports like we talked about on numerous episodes. They're probably willing to play a dangerous game again with this. That would just be my take. Not to say that's what I would do, but just based off of how they have approached different things and wanting to be in control I think they're going to do what they think is best and they don't really care, you know, how that looks. They're willing to wait it out as much as they have to, given Katie has four years on his deal. And I think that's a pretty big factor. But again, like you said, it's also a pretty big L for KD if he has to sit out a chunk of his 30, you know, age 34 season. You know, this is like we've talked about one of the last years probably of his prime, you know, two to three years left of being one of the best players in the NBA. And then eventually, you know, father time's going to start to catch up or God forbid there's some type of injury. So I think you can look at it from both sides. But like you said, the Nets are probably in more of a danger zone. <laughs> You say danger zone, I immediately think of Top Gun. I love that movie so goddamn much, the first and the second one. But they are in the danger zone, Nick, and we don't have Tom Cruise. We don't have Miles Teller. We don't have the awesome planes and special effects and even a, a, bit, a bit of John Hamm, even though some people aren't the biggest fan of his. But this is a lose-lose situation. There are going to be no winners. And we've sort of said that the biggest losers so far are us. We feel like losers as fans throughout this entire thing. We are either losing the the probably best player to ever play for the Brooklyn Nets and maybe ever play for the Brooklyn Nets or we're like stuck with Steve Nash and the, him running the franchise going forward as the, as the head coach and the allegiance is there. And then um, maybe we get a Jalen Brown package. If hopefully that stays on the table and we don't get picks and we get Derek white or whatever. It's just like the, the winners in this are a few and far between. Yeah. It's unlikely that you can essentially win as a Nets fan this off season. You know, you might, end up in a better situation than you thought you would, but it's not going to be a win. You know, think about where we were at the end of the playoffs and just a hope of everyone getting healthy, making a couple small moves. And next year, the Nets can really run through the regular season, get, you know, some vibes and get some, you know, some plays and some chemistry with each other and actually have a chance to compete in the playoffs with a full squad. And we're not even at that point. And we're very, very, very likely to never see that. Yep, and I guess I want to discuss a little bit, Nick, because this was coming up with some of Kevin Durant's tweets himself, and I think it's a, a fun general conversation, if you want to call it that. Um, in terms of Kevin Durant's legacy, 
We heard someone say that him switching teams so often is, is tainting his legacy. But Kevin Rand himself said it's a matter of perspective. Uh, I say it's never been stronger. Where do you stand, I guess, with Kevin Rand's legacy, Nick? Because we've now experienced Kevin Rand with the Brooklyn Nets uniform on. We've both been big fans of his. You know, we're, we're kind of near like his age, so we've sort of grown up with him following the NBA a little bit. Uh, he's won a countless awards, countless accolades, championships here and there. He is one of the most decorated and 10, 15, and if you're being like you know, conservative, 18 best players of all time. Is this tainting his legacy? Where do you stand, I guess, with the Kevin Durant legacy? Does this overshadow his his countless accolades? You know, I think at the end of the day, when you're looking back at his career down the line, you probably won't discuss the trade request a lot. But I think where it could really hamper his legacy is if he were to miss, you know, an entire season because he's holding out or miss a chunk of the season or, you know, something negative along those lines. I think if you know, he's traded to another team and wins a championship. A lot of people are just going to forget about the trade request. It wouldn't really matter in the bigger scheme of things. But obviously, if he does go to Boston and, you know, obviously they go on to win a championship, you're going to have the comparisons to Golden State. This is the team that knocked you out. You go and join that team and you could never win on your own without having one of these great teams behind you. You never had, you know, that 2016 win that LeBron had against the Golden State Warriors where you were the underdog and you came up and, you know, that that potentially could have happened the year with Harden, Kyrie and himself, KD, when all the injuries came together. And maybe we're a couple inches away from that being the case, but it didn't happen. So I think at the end of the day, unless there's a holdout or something really, really bad happens this season, it probably won't impact his legacy that much in terms of Nets fans and their viewpoint on him. Obviously, this drastically changed it for a lot of people. Not everyone, but for a good chunk of Nets fans. Yeah, I mean, I, it seems to me like I'm in a small segment of Nets fans that's just like, look, I'm I'm still a bit of a KD fan. Like, I'm I'm not like I. I it's sort of it's weird because like I, now I'm sort of like I, I dislike Harden and and all these sort of things. But I'm like, why don't I feel the exact same way for Kevin Durant? Given he's doing the exact same thing, but maybe it's just my previous sort of fandom of him before he became a Brooklyn Met and what he's done when he's been on the court because as a as a pure basketballer there's there's few that have been as as gorgeous to watch and he's never done what James Harden did in that Sacramento Kings game and you know that obviously the Milwaukee Bucks series again that game five is it was this stuff of champions so I think you can make plenty of arguments about you know the Golden State stuff we've heard like a I don't know if it's Windhorse or other people reporting saying that Kevin Rand can't win a championship by himself. That's why teams aren't offering it to him. That's why he wants to go join Golden State. That's why he wants to go to Boston. You know, he needs a, a superstars around him. He's not like LeBron. He's not Steph. He's not whoever else. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. But you can. Uh, it'll it'll be a more fascinating conversation probably when his career is done. Whereas in the moment and in the heat of, of, of this drama, it's hard to step away from it as an Nets fan and say, look, this isn't you're hurting our viewpoint of him. And does that mean legacy? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think you have to see what the result is. You know, we've seen, you know, the with the action. Now we need to see the reaction. You know, what happens afterwards? What is this, you know, end result? Does he get on a team and win a championship or does, you know, it hamper the rest of his career? Or, you know, there's so many different scenarios that can play out. That's it. And one of the scenarios that's going to play out for the Nets this year, Nick, is no Christmas Day game. I don't know where you stand on that because last Christmas Day game, was it the Claxton dunk? Was that last Christmas? Yeah, I think so. It was against LA. And I think Harden was the only star playing because I think the Nets had just recovered from COVID. So look, 
this year, it's no surprise given that Kieran likely out the door. It doesn't really bother me. You know, it's Boxing Day for me down here, not Christmas Day. So it means that I won't. I might have to choose to watch some other teams or not watch basketball as much. Or at least you know you get to spend the time with your family. You won't have to. I won't have to do a solo pod, or you have to do uh, a pod with me. You can spend some time with yeah. uh, <laughs> the likely new family that you've got along the way, Nicholas. I, I hate to, to throw that that on the podcast, but you've put it out on your timeline as well. But uh, I guess is there any surprise to this, Nick? Any real reaction? Because it's there's nothing really for me. Yeah, I think, like you said, Jack, I think the best part is that I don't have to podcast likely on Christmas now, so I can not have to rush home or, you know, stay up late to record that. But I think with the uncertainty of the Nets, this was always a likely scenario, you know, unless they really wanted to take the risk. I saw someone put out they could have done Nets versus Knicks because it's pretty safe to do regardless where it's a little bit of a rival. But uh, that the NBA has plenty of great stars and teams they can showcase. But I did see something that this would be the first year if KD is still in the Nets that he wouldn't have a Christmas Day game since 2013, I want to say. 2013 is right. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. and He's not uh, going to be on the Nets. Nick. That's probably the, the, the thinking here from yeah, Adam or, Silver and the, the schedule makers. Or he's not going to be on the court with the Nets. You know, that's another that, plausible scenario, too. Or he could be yeah. on one of these other teams that's scheduled. Yeah, no, you know, whether it's Boston or Lakers, no, I'm not going to go there. Definitely not going to go there. But in, in saying that, a guy that is going to be in the Brooklyn Nets, Nick, is Ben Simmons. And we had, you know, a couple of reports around in this season. Stephen A. Smith that he said he's ready to go. Stephen A. Smith, when it comes to net stuff, I don't know how credible that is. but Especially when you know, he guess, said he ran into him. Where, where did you run into Ben Simmons? <laughs> I mean, like they're in New York. You know, they're, they're all vibing. Maya Jammer's doing some stuff. Maybe it was at a Liberty game. Stephen A. Smith's now back around doing first taking and after where he was holidaying. Look, ben, Stephen A. Smith when it comes to But, like, look, it's at least positive. And we also got from Woj, who has blocked me on Twitter, Nick, so that's why <laughs> you have to send me the screenshot of this. And I got the article from Bleacher Report that he's reached the settlement over the grievance over last year, that sort of saga uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. I think it was about $20 million he was looking to get. Seems to be settled. I'm guessing Ben Simmons got somewhere like around 5 to 10 maybe. I, I would say he got something back or else this wouldn't be settled. So some good things happening for Ben Simmons and – you know, hopefully this all leads to, to positive things for him out on the court. Yeah, I think you could view it as encouraging that he'll be back on the court this season. Obviously, it could play out well. And, you know, the, part of the reason he could have not played last season was because of, you know, that entire situation, him wanting to secure, secure that money. And like you said, we have no idea. Um, it's confidential. I think they signed an agreement that it wouldn't be released the amount. I'm sure we'll find out at some point in time. Like you said, I I, I would guess in the $10 million range just because they owed him t- or they held $20 million out of his contract. And I think meeting in the middle kind of makes sense, especially because it seems like the agreement came together relatively quick. Yeah, look, it's it's sort of been something that's been dragging on quite a bit, but the fact that there's a resolution to it, I think it's positive for all parties involved. Now Simmons can focus on you know his return, and hopefully it is a positive return. And Stephen A. Smith is right. I've never wanted Stephen A. Smith's words to be so true in my entire life, but I'm hoping more than anything, especially now that we've got our first best player going, now we've probably got our second 2A, 2B, uh, the reliance on him is going to be even greater. And he's been doing all the right things. He's become the media darling of Brooklyn and all the... All the marketing is surrounding Ben Simmons, and we'll see if it's BS or if it's you know real Ben Ten coming out there. Yeah, it's funny. BS is his initials too. Uh, that, uh, that's my point, Nick. That was the joke. Uh, that was the joke, man. That was the joke. I was making sure. Bit, but uh, I think I just thought of this today, and I think it's kind of funny. Is like 
we have not really discussed who Ben Simmons is going to be next season or what to expect from him because there's been so much drama about everything I've been, else. I've been wanting to so much, Nick. I've got yeah. so many Ben Simmons stats in the archive, defense stuff. It's just like we can't talk about it because the only thing we get is like, yeah, he's he's going to be okay. And we have to chat about it like in the, the D block of our of our podcast rather than sort of like it's just Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Like you, you say it a million times and it, and it starts to be, become nonsensical. You say Kevin Durant a million times and something shows up in, what is it? You know, Candy Biggie Man. Smalls. Yeah. Candy Man, whatever. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Biggie Smalls with the South Park one. My bad. Um, but, <laughs> but in saying that, Nick, it's hoping we get some, Something with Nets where, where we can discuss something other than Kevin Durant, but probably or by the time the, we... you know the entire saga comes to an end, you know, and a trade happens, and you know we can move on and and discuss what Jalen Brown looks like on the Nets or what Baron and Ingram looks like on the Nets, and then it's just like cool. There's at least going to be probably some sigh of relief from fans and everyone else, and even if you know we can be frustrated about the fact we didn't get three picks or or whatever it'll just be at least a resolution to this saga how that resolution looks i still have no idea yeah at least like if the nets can get you some type of young star player i think you can talk yourself into some level of happiness or excitement it's not going to be the same but at least there's something to kind of cling to and that'll be the case but jack always a pleasure talking nets with you big thanks everybody for listening and check the buzz on all stream platforms Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.